0: Welcome to the weekly Dharma Talk podcast from the Columbus Karma Teksum Choling Buddhist Meditation Center. This week's Dharma Talk is entitled Rediscovering Openness, Part 1 by Lama Adam Burner. In Part 1 of a series based on Kempo Karta Rinpoche's The Five Buddha Families commentary, Lama Adam focuses on the five aggregates how our delusion causes us to label them as I or an ego, and the path that can clear away that delusion and reveal our true nature, the five Buddha potentials. If you like our Dharma Talk series, please consider donating to Columbus Karma Taksim Choling at columbusktc.org. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Morning, everybody. I'm really glad, uh, to be with you guys today. And, um, yeah, this is a talk I've been excited about giving for a while. And, uh, I also got really nervous about it because I, uh, I started putting it together. Um, and I really felt like I bit off way more than I, I could chew on this one. (laughs) So, um, but then I, I, uh, you know, yesterday, uh, in the day before I started working through it and with, with the help of, uh, Rinpoche, I believe, uh, and his blessings, everything really uh, kind of came together to where I feel pretty confident this morning is that things will go at least passably well. So um, first, I wanna say that uh, this has been a really uh, beautiful weather uh, week here in Columbus. And we had the good fortune, Lama Kathy and I, of going down to the KTC site and um, actually going into the shrine room. Like we actually went into the building And um, got to, uh, you know, kind of look around and and meet with the construction guys and the architect. And it was really awesome. Um, So, uh, I have a couple pictures that I was going to share. So, this was uh, the other day. So, as you can see, um, that's uh, on the side of the building. And then, um, and here we are inside the shrine room. You can see the city in the back. This is uh, looking east. There's La Cathy on the right. This is looking the other direction. So we're looking uh, basically westward here. And this would be looking uh, basically south, southwest. Looking back north again. You can see it is, uh, it, it it if it looks a little big, it uh, it is, <laughs> which is kind of cool. There's the city, uh, we won't, this will, this will actually be where the shrine is. So if we jump back here, uh, just to the right of where you see the people standing is where the shrine will be. So uh, this view here will actually be, uh, the shrine will actually be right in front of this view, the main shrine. And then I actually got to take a ride up on the crane um, So this was uh, actually above the building looking down into the shrine room through the cupola and out over the city. And so it was a really, really beautiful day. It was really exciting. Um, I'm happy I can share uh, some of these pictures with you. And I also want to say I know a lot of you uh, were able to go to Lama Lodro's teaching um, this weekend, I, I was able to be there Friday, but I uh, had a lot of preparation to do for this talk yesterday, so I wasn't able to be there, but, um, we are all so grateful to Lama Lodro. She's always been a big, uh, friend of Columbus KTC. And, um, we thank her so much for her help, uh, in teaching and helping us to, um, raise funds for the center. Uh, she's been a huge help and, uh, it's been a huge help to me personally, even in, in the retreat. So, um, very grateful. And, uh, meanwhile, actually, since I did share about the building, I should also share, uh, the link to, uh, help support rebuilding. So that's, uh, you'll see that at the bottom there. So there's where you can go if you want to help continue to, uh, support the the costs of the, the construction. And, um, we're moving into the phase where we're working on the shrine design and the floors and the pillars and beams that will be, uh, in the shrine room. So, uh, Let's move on and do, uh, the refuge prayer today. Uh, I want to do the refuge prayer thinking in terms of, um, taking refuge in what is true because, um, what finally kind of put this in order for me, this talk today, was thinking about the concept of ground path and fruition, which is a, a common construction in, um, uh, Tibetan Buddhist teachings. And so, uh, the ground here that we're uh, going to be working with today is is really understanding our confusion, understanding that we are confused and understanding how we're confused. And uh, so what I want to kind of take refuge in today, uh, and uh, you know, the, the aspect that I want to think about is, um, you know, taking refuge in what is true. Refuge is something we do all week long. Uh, it's it's kind of what drives most of the things we do. But most of the time, we take refuge in things that uh, are not really a, a, a good refuge. If we think of refuge as being uh, safety, like wanting some sort of protection or safety, uh, most of the things that we take refuge in um, they, they're they're impermanent. I mean, if they're external, um, if they're things that uh, try to uh, feed or indulge our our desires, uh, they're going to end. You know, and um, if they're you know ab- abusive to ourselves or uh, hurtful to ourselves or others, um, obviously that's not good either. So um, I think when we take refuge, we're really kind of resetting, uh, resetting that uh, compass towards towards what's right and true. And uh, in this case, we're taking refuge in the Buddha because he set out to find um, the answer to what we could do about suffering. You know, how can we transcend suffering and find some sort of happiness that is lasting, um, some kind of real happiness? And the Dharma, which is the teachings that uh, explain how to do that, and the Sangha, which is the community uh, of practitioners who practice those teachings. So um, I will uh, put up on the screen the refuge prayer. And we'll do this two, uh, once in Tibetan, once in English, and then once again in Tibetan.
2: O sangye chidan su ki chok nam la Jang chu ba du dak ni kiap su chi su ki pe ki Dro Now in English, until
1: I reach enlightenment, I take refuge in the Buddha, in the Dharma, and the noble Sangha. Through the merit of accomplishing the six perfections, may I achieve awakening for the benefit of all sentient beings. And once more in Tibetan.
2: O sangye nam la chan chu u par kyab su chi dak jin so ki pe sun nam Dro-la-pen-chir-sang-ye-drup-ar-shom shom pad den sau ve lam pe de den julam so the
1: the backstory of this talk, by the way, uh, I gave it a uh, the wrong name. <laughs> I uh, as soon as I, I had it. I had this sort of poetic name picked out that came from the inspiration for this talk. And then when it came, I realized that that wasn't the right title. And right before I sent the title in this week, um, I hit send and I was like, that's probably not the right title. Because when we talk about regaining openness, there's nothing to regain. Um, if we haven't lost something. It's not there anymore that we need to get back. So um, I'm officially retitling this talk at this point, Rediscovering Openness. Um, furthermore... Um, this topic is is big and rich in so many ways. And so uh, this will be part one, uh, and then I will follow up with part two uh, next time around. So the inspiration for this talk was a really, uh, really beautiful uh, description of what we call the f- the five Skandas. Uh, Skandas means like aggregate uh, or heap. And uh, so that's, the main focus of the talk today. And what that what those are, we'll get into, um, but it, it's basically each of these is a heap, so it's kind of a collection of stuff. And then, uh, you know, there's five of them, so that's a collection. And it's this collection all together that we label as I, that we, we, we have just kind of decided, you'll, you'll see how we, we, we just call this I. Or, or another way to look at it is the ego, so um, it's not really there. The whole thing's a mistake. You know, uh, that's kind of the idea. Is like all of this is sort of a big mistake. So I had a good um, had a good uh, exchange this week in in the book discussion group. Uh, the welcoming, the unwelcome payment children book discussion group that's been going on. Um, I had a good exchange with somebody about the ego, and we were talking about how it. You know. Like what is it, you know? And it's funny because it just it isn't, you know. Like so, we can really only kind of talk around it and talk about like how what happens when we think it's it's there, you know. But it's not really a thing. Um, and so anyway, uh, it's a it's a concept that's really kind of tricky. And I hadn't heard much about it at at KTC. And when I uh, you know I was really inspired by this uh, this description from Trumper Rinpoche about the Skandas. And so I really wanted to share based on that. And as soon as I got into uh, trying to put the talk together for real, uh, I got an idea of probably why we don't talk about this in one hour Dharma talks, because it is just such a big topic. And it uh, you know, when you start talking about the, the five skandhas, you have to talk about the five Buddhas. And when you talk about the five Buddhas, you have to talk about the five wisdoms. And when you talk about the five wisdoms, you have to start talking about the five mental afflictions. And so there's like, there's, it just kind of spider webs out. And, um, and that's really good in a way because this is there, there's a lot there to work with and think about and lots of ways. We can um, try to understand our confusion. So, um, well, I want to cover you know today just the aggregates and, uh, but the broader topic here is is the five Buddha families, um, and to me that was. Uh, Really, I, Everybody has a different experience in three-year retreat, but to me, the, the experience of three-year retreat was really kind of one long exposition of the five Buddha families. That's kind of what I took away from that, was that uh, we just, as we did practice after practice, we w- were given more uh, information and uh, more depth, and uh, the richness of it kind of grew as e- with each practice. And so it is a really uh, profound topic. Um, but... You know there's there's ways that we can in start you know like starting points and, and just kind of getting an idea about the skandhas is, is one of the ways so um and the other thing that's kind of neat about this is uh like i said uh i was inspired by the trumpa rinpoche uh, description uh but trumpa has a very unique way of teaching and um he was one of the first teachers in the west and really uh, seemed to teach in a way that was uh, uh very different but um at the same time, he's uh, considered a Mahasiddha and a great uh, master by every, basically all of my teachers, His Holiness Karmapa, um, Kemakarta Rinpoche, Trolak Rinpoche, Tranga Rinpoche. Um, So he is a, he's an extremely realized being, but his teachings are not for everybody all the time. And they weren't for me for a long time. Um, But when they were, they really were. And part of the reason for that was because I realized that like a lot of times, you know, we all have different Things that are kind of going to activate uh, our, our um, awakened potential. You know, we have to kind of meet with the right stuff at the right time in order to have thing have these breakthroughs. And it was the right time for me when I at, when I finally came around to Trungpa. And um, and part of the reason for that was because you know I, I Rinpoche spoke so highly of him, and it was interesting because part of the reason I, I was avoiding him was because I felt like what trumpa was teaching was very different from Rinpoche. But I came to realize that th- with both of them, they're kind of like two sides of the same coin. I mean, and they can seem very different, but like a lot of times for me, when I read on a subject, I'll read uh, several different sources, you know, to kind of get different angles on different subjects. And so to me, a lot of times um, having more than one view on these things from different teachers helps a lot. And so I'm going to Today's talk is actually going to be uh, based on a commentary by Kemba Carter Rinpoche uh, that you can get at Namse Bongso called The Five Buddha Families. And I had had this sitting on my shelf and th- these commentaries are very thin. They're not books like it, It's sort of towards the end of my shelf. And I just kind of forgot I had it and I hadn't read this in about 10 years. And, I'm, you know, somehow I re- earlier this week, I remembered like I have that commentary, you know, like and I pulled this out and this, you know, thank you, Rinpoche. This, this brought it all together for me. So, um I'm basically going to be be working from this. And um, so Rinpoche says here, uh, just to give a little intro, he says, uh, the subject of this teaching is the five Buddhas, also called the five Buddha families. Although it is more proper to speak of the five Buddha potentials, because a family in this sense is a type or species of wisdom that each of us can develop. For a proper understanding of the five Buddhas, it is necessary to first have some basic knowledge about how sentient beings such as ourselves exist. And um, so to give uh, a little bit of insight into that uh, and to highlight uh, some of what we're going to talk about today, uh, I think it's always a good idea to go over the Four Noble Truths briefly. So uh, the first teaching of the Buddha was the Four Noble Truths. Uh, Many of you are probably familiar with this teaching. Uh, Always good to revisit it. It, Your understanding of it will always change over time. And so, you know, the first truth, according to the Buddha, was the truth of suffering, which is that uh, characteristic of our samsaric existence, um, this existence where we uh, keep experiencing rebirth. um, We are driven by attachment um and so there's pain and suffering and impermanence um that's that's kind of our experience and uh that's samsara we'll talk a little bit more about that later but so the buddha said there is suffering which is also kind of dissatis. it's it's closer to dissatisfaction or dissatisfactoriness um suffering seems like a really strong word and that is included like the real sufferings we have loss and pain and things like that but it also is just this sort of background hum of 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 dis- dissatisfaction dissatisfactoriness and then the second noble truth is the truth of the cause of suffering and the buddha said that cause is attachment or clinging and um in particular clinging to an idea this idea of a self so this is kind of really central to what we're talking about today right because i said that the aggregates is what we label as the self so um the buddha said that the the cause of suffering is attachment uh, or grasping or clinging and Mm -hmm you know, first to this idea of a self. And then because we've done that, when uh, there's an idea of a self inherently arising with that is, is the idea of other, you can't have a self without an other. And so uh, that's how we have attachment, you know, if there was no, uh, if we weren't imputing this self and clinging to it, there would be nothing to be attached to. So um, this cause of suffering, attachment, it's good to know that that's the cause, because if there, if something's causing something else, if you remove the cause, then you remove the result. And so the result is suffering, the first noble truth, and the cause is attachment. So if we remove the cause of suffering, we can achieve the cessation of suffering, which is the third noble truth. And the fourth noble truth is the truth of the path or the path that leads to the cessation of suffering. And that path is uh, summarized as do no harm practice only virtue totally tame your mind this is the teaching of the buddha and uh i always say that if there's something you're going to memorize memorize that because like we may get into some complicated stuff today uh you've probably already found that things can get pretty complex in the dharma but uh, those four lines are the, are the overview of the whole shebang. So if, you, if you have, your head ever starts to spin a little bit, you know, just come back to do no harm, practice only virtue, tame your mind. This is the teaching of the Buddha. All the, the stuff, all the other stuff um, fits into there, you know, and if it doesn't, if you hear something and it doesn't align with do no harm, practice only virtue, tame your mind, this is the teaching of the Buddha, then it's not the teaching of the Buddha. So, it's a really easy way to kind of sum things up. So, in the Four Noble Truths, we've really got two groups. We've got uh, a group of result and cause, and another group of result and cause. We have the uh, result of uh, some and cause of samsara in the first Noble Truths. And then in the second, the third, and fourth Noble Truth, we have the result and the cause of nirvana. So, uh, each of these, uh, so you see, like with the attachment, uh, that leads to suffering which is our samsaric experience and when we follow the path do no harm practice only virtue tame your mind that leads to nirvana a peace freedom from suffering so uh and then we're not going to go too far into this today this will be more of next time's topic but a uh, characteristic of our experience in samsara is the the five mental afflictions which are uh, ignorance anger desire pride and jealousy. So, uh, we'll talk a bit about those today, but that's really going to be more, uh, next time. And as I said, the ground path and fruition was what helped me organize this. And, uh, again, the, the ground here is going to be, um, understanding the development of ego and I. So Rinpoche says, uh, We are led to experience the suffering of samsara through our fixation on the existence of the self and through our fixation on all phenomena as real. If our obsession with the self and our fixation on the true existence of phenomena have led us to experience samsara, is there a method for overcoming the experience of samsara? In order to overcome our experience of samsara, we first have to recognize that we are confused, to acknowledge this fact and be aware of it. So long as we acknowledge and recognize this, then there is a possibility of overcoming samsara. Yet if recognizing our confusion makes it possible to overcome the experience of samsara, such recognition is still insufficient by itself. It is only the ground, an intellectual understanding gained from the teachings that must be put into daily practice through meditation, which is the path. Many teachings discuss ground, path and fruition. The ground is a proper understanding of the teachings. The path is the regular application of the teachings to oneself, and the fruition is the result. This progression of ground, path, and fruition is not hard to understand. First comes the understanding, then the regular application in daily practice, followed by the experience. The result literally coming to face to uh, literally coming face to face with. <laughs> literally coming face to face with the fruition is the experience of the five Buddhas. So, uh, ground, a lot of times, uh, when we talk about ground, we talk about Buddha nature we talk about, or we talk about like Dharma Ta, like ultimate truth. And, and that's one way of looking at it. But as most, uh, many of us have probably found like, uh, understanding or somehow, uh, having like, in any way being able to to explain or feel like you've got a grip on um, ultimate truth beyond duality non-conceptuality is, is very very hard for us like it, it's it's not likely that any of us here uh, can do that you know so the samsaric way we can look at this is is what Rinpoche says here you know like uh, gaining this understanding um, of of the way uh, we're confused, how our confusion arises, how this idea of a self uh, has come about and, and how we cling to it. Uh, and then the path, you know, he said is meditation and the result, you know, will be um, the five Buddhas or five Buddha potentials. So uh, I want to start uh, with Trungpa Rinpoche's description of, of, dharmata or this ultimate truth Uh, and this is part of the reason why i really love this is because i feel like he hits it in such a way that is is really unique and um you know something that's that's it's kind of impossible for us to understand until we're until we're buddhas so he says uh in the development of ego at the beginning there is basic ground basic consciousness open space there is openness freedom and spaciousness all the time. For example, in everyday life, at the first moment we see an object, there is a sudden recognition without logic or conceptualization. We just perceive openness, but immediately we panic and we hurry to try to put something into that openness. We try to find a name or a pigeonhole so that we can locate and categorize that particular thing according to our own ideas and conceptualizations. As that process continues the ego becomes more and more solid however the idea of ego as a solid ongoing entity is illusory it is a mistaken belief although confused mind would like to veil i'm sorry although confused mind would like to view itself as solid it is only a collection of tendencies and events this collection is referred to as the five skandhas or five heaps. And they are form, feeling, perception, conceptions, and consciousness. And um, I said this, I think, a little earlier, but I want to point out again that like not understanding dharmata is completely normal for us. Um, I would be shocked if any of us did. Because you really don't understand it until you've achieved enlightenment. So uh, that's kind of one of the, the hurdles I think a lot of us face or continue to face is we feel like we're just not getting this idea of ultimate truth. And that's completely okay and normal. That's just the way it is until we attain enlightenment. We have to it's more important now that we understand our delusion because that's our experience. You know like that's that's how we're going to a- achieve the understanding of the ultimate truth is through understanding our our delusion now um and applying the path and then then we'll achieve the fruition and at that point we'll understand the ground as dharmata you know as this open spaciousness so um I'm saying that, and I'm sure we'll, many people who are hearing this will still continue to feel frustrated that they're not understanding ultimate truth, myself probably included. But, um, so I'm saying it for my own benefit as well, but like, uh, you know, this is this is our state, this is our condition. Like right now we need to focus on how we're confused and what we can do about that confusion. So um, so Rinpoche explains this, when he introduces the skandhas, he says, This is his brief overview. He says, visible shape and form are called the aggregate of form. Whatever is sensed or felt belongs to the aggregate of feeling. The aggregate of perception is the category of mental judgments, including the distinctions between good and bad, right and wrong, male and female, and so on and also the experience of these judgments and distinctions. When we have the perception of what is positive or negative, we try to avoid what we have singled out as negative and adopt what we have singled out as positive. This is the aggregate of conception, which can be understood as an attitude or mental formation related to our experience. The fifth skanda, the aggregate of consciousness, includes the recollection of past pleasure, the experience of what is happening in the present and the longing for something in the future. Each of us dwells upon memories of the past, the state of the present and the possibilities of the future. Thus, none of us is apart from these five aggregates. And I made a little card so you can see these. So, uh, so let's talk through this in uh, like a sort of a real world example. So, you know, well, we talked about how there's this this open space, just complete openness. Our our true nature is open, spacious, and relaxed. This is the way Kempo Jomso Jomso uh, describes it. So, uh, let's say, uh, let's talk about like touching a hot stove. So, uh, form would be just the visible form. You know, uh, there, there there's uh, we have this idea of a self, and then there's a form. And, but this is like before we have named it or even felt it or had any sort of opinion about it, uh, that that's the, the aggregate of form then feeling would be the, the sensation, uh, that happens and it's going to have some kind of quality to it, but we don't really know how to name it yet. It's going to be like, uh, uh seductive, uh, or, or not, you know, but this is just sort of the raw sensation, um, of that feeling. Um, so in, in terms of like touching a hot stove, that would, um, you know, be like, uh, something not, th- uh, that we wouldn't want to draw towards us. Right. But it, we haven't made that distinction yet at this, at the, this point in the skandhas, the feeling, uh, when that happens, when we make a distinction is when we get to perception. So with perception, that's when we start to label things as good or bad or, uh, hot or cold. You know, this is where we start to get these ideas, uh, one way or the other about things. We decide, for instance, if we're going to, like, we could say feeling would be like a uh, good, bad, neutral, but then when we get to perception, it's like, okay, what are we going to like do with that? You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's, uh, you know, we, we name it in a way from our side. And then conception is where we justify that. So like, uh, Conception is where we go, uh, you know, perception would be where we would want to pull away because that's hot But conception is where we go. I need to pull away because that's hot and hot things can burn me Uh, That's where what happens when we get to this aggregate of conception and then um, Consciousness is where we put this all into a story So we think about when we touched the stove when we were young, you know And we knew that hurt and here we did it again today And we should have been more careful so that we don't do it tomorrow so uh, that's one sort of real world example um, after Rinpoche's uh, short overview. And then um, I wanna jump in and give uh, now, like I said, approaching things from some different angles. Uh, now I'll give you uh, Trumpa's description of, of a few of these. So for form, he says, solidifying space. In the beginning, there is open space belonging to no one And within that space is primeval intelligence or vidya. So there is both intelligence and space. And this is, you know, when we talk about uh, emptiness, uh, we usually say, or ultimate truth, we say it has these characteristics of emptiness or limitlessness and um, lucidity or clarity or intelligence. These are two aspects of something that is beyond duality or conception. So that's what he's saying here. There's both intelligence and space. It is like a completely open and spacious room in which you can dance about and not be afraid of knocking anything over. You are this space. You are one with it, but you become confused because it is so spacious. You begin to whirl and dance about, you become too active in the space. As you dance, you want to experience the space more and more to enjoy the dance and the openness. But at that point, space is no longer space as such. It has become solid space because of your unnecessary urge to contact it. When you try to cling to the space, to grasp it, the whole perspective is completely changed. You have solidified space and made it tangible. That sense of self-consciousness is the birth of duality. Spaciousness has become solid space, and you have begun to identify yourself with the I. You are identified with the duality of I and space, rather than being completely one with space. You have become self-conscious, conscious that you are dancing in space. This is the birth of the first skanda, the skanda of form. Having solidified space, You forget what you have done. Suddenly there's a blackout, a gap. Your intelligence suddenly collapses and you are completely overwhelmed by ignorance in a kind of reverse enlightenment experience. When you wake up, you become fascinated with your own creation, acting as if you had nothing to do with it. As though you yourself were not the creator of all this solidity. You deliberately ignore the openness, and the intelligence, so the intelligent, sharp, precise, flowing, and luminous quality of space becomes static. There is still primeval intelligence, or vidya, but it has been captured and solidified. Therefore, it has become avidya, or ignorance. That blackout of intelligence is the source of the ego. From that sudden blackout, as you continue to explore, gradually things become more and more solid. And that's what's happening as we uh, move through these aggregates. We're kind of uh, strengthening uh, the ego. We're building it out. So when we come to the second Skanda, he says, having managed to transform, transform space into solidness, you would then like to possess it and grasp it. Having solidified the duality of self and other, you try to feel the qualities of that other in order to reassure yourself that you exist. You reach out to sense whether that other is seductive, threatening, or neutral. You think that if you can feel something out there, then you must really be here. The mechanism of feeling you set up is extremely efficient. And I like this a lot, this idea that like we check with the outside world to confirm our, our own self. Like that's how we confirm um, our ego to ourselves and help to perpetuate this illusion by checking in constantly with the outside world. Because if that's there, then we must be here is, is what we think. So. Um, so then. Uh, as Rubichet said, at that point, uh, then the perception. Um, comes along which is where we start to make the distinctions uh between good and bad right and wrong male and female and so on and uh we have these experiences of, of judgment about these things and then uh perception i'm sorry conscious nope uh conceptions yeah conceptions is where we uh Like I said, it's sort of where we start to justify because we put these we put a label on um, the situation. And there's there's actually a list of like 51 of these things. They're called samskaras, which is uh, another word for for conceptions or mental formations. And um, so uh, this is where we actually like uh, another way to look at it is that this fourth skanda of conception is where the, the the drive comes from. Like this is what sort of makes us pushes us to do something about whatever we uh, have seen and form felt and then made a perception about conception is where we're actually like things are put into motion. It's the, that's uh, Charlie Rinpoche says that that's like the drive um, behind the whole thing. And then consciousness, like I said, is where we put this all into a story, we string this all into a narrative. So um, perception through consciousness, is really where we build the ego out like that's where we really sort of strengthen everything up, you know, like because uh, now it's not just like a, a feeling It's a feeling that we've uh, made a, a distinction about and then we've made it part of like a concept and then that concept gets put into the whole story so um, The way Trump explains consciousness is he says uh, The last stage of the development of ego is consciousness consciousness is an amalgamation of the intuitive intelligence of the skanda of feeling, the energy of the skanda of perception, and the intellectualization of the skanda of conceptions. That combination produces thoughts and emotions. So at the level of the fifth skanda, we find emotional upheavals and the uncontrollable and illogical patterns of discursive thought. With the development of dis- discursive thoughts and fantasies, the whole thing is completely secured. The five skandhas present a complete picture of ego, According to Buddhist psychology, the ego is simply a collection of skandhas or heaps, but actually there is no such thing as ego. It is a brilliant work of art, a product of the intellect, which says, let's give all this a name. Let's call it I. That I is the label that unifies that disorganized and scattered process into one entity. It is very clever, he says. So, uh... So now let's talk a little bit about ignorance. Um, So uh, Rinpoche says that uh, in Dharma, the term ignorant applies to all sentient beings insofar as they take at face value the five aggregates, the five mental afflictions and the five elements. We'll talk more about those next time. Ignorance means the failure to recognize the actual nature of the aggregates in this state of ignorance and failing to recognize or acknowledge the true nature of things. We are involved with the confused state of mind. This participation and involvement with delusion leads us to obscure the mind all the more. So, uh, it's important to remember that, um, there's nothing to eliminate here. There's nothing wrong with um, uh, that. We don't need to rid ourselves of the aggregates, uh, the skandhas. That's not the case. Um, The the problem is not the aggregates. The problem is the ignorance. The problem is the confusion. The problem is taking them to be real and taking them to be an entity that we call I. That's the issue. Um, But just understanding that is not enough. And, and Rinpoche gives a great example of, um, let's say he says, uh, let's see, your goal is to travel East, but because of your confused state of mind, you, you're actually heading West. And then along the way you bump into somebody who says, uh, and you say, Hey, I'm going to the East. And he says, no, 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 no. You're going to the West. And you, so just knowing that is important. Like you have to have that understanding. Uh, so that's, that's important. It's a, it's a good thing, you know, even if to find out something that you've been doing wrong, because then you know that you were doing it wrong and you can stop doing that. But at that point you have to then turn around and put the effort in to walk the other direction to get where you were trying to go. So, uh, Rinpoche's analogy here, you know, like uh, finding out you're going the wrong way is, is the understanding of, of, uh, the nature, the true nature of these aggregates. Uh, and But then actually putting the effort in to go the other way is the practice. That's the path. That's meditation. So uh, a spiritual path can be explained in in terms of meditation. But another way to look at it is the two accumulations. And those are the accumulations of merit and wisdom. And uh, Nirbache explains merit as, uh, uh, he says, we need the accumulation of merit to remedy to purify and eliminate our confusion and the mistakes our confusion has led us to make, not to mention the strong habitual patterns these mistakes have developed in us. And for wisdom, he says, the accumulation of wisdom is generally explained as the recognition and realization through meditation that the true nature of the aggregates um, is the wisdom of the five Buddhas. Even though the two accumulations may be discussed separately, they do not ultimately differ. The accumulation of merit is the removal of habitual patterns that obscure our true nature. and the accumulation of wisdom is this true nature's realization. Uh, In terms of uh, this path and, and uh, merit uh, we can look at that in terms of uh, body, speech, and mind. So, uh, Merit uh, accumulating merit with the body, maybe prostrations, um, offerings, contributions to helping to build dharma centers, um, supporting teachings and teachers, uh, gifts to the poor. Any sort of physical action that you take to benefit other beings would be like accumulation of merit with the body. Accumulation of merit uh, with the speech. Uh, one easy way to look at it is, is uh, you know, the, the four virtuous actions of speech. So we want to speak truthfully. We don't want to lie. We want to speak uh, in a way that brings people together. We want to avoid divisive speech that that will, you know, polarize and divide people. So we want to have speech that brings people together. Uh, We want to speak in a way that is gentle, not harsh. We want to avoid harsh speech and try to make our speech gentle. And then lastly, we want to speak with purpose and avoid idle chatter. So those are some ways that, oh, and then also, of course, mantra, um, chanting, prayers, uh, things like that. Uh, Accumulation of uh, merit within the mind would be uh, reversing past habitual patterns of attachment, aversion, and ignorance. Most importantly, uh, working to understand emptiness, shunyata. So those are some ways that we work with the accumulation of merit. In, in body, speech, and mind. Accumulation of wisdom involves developing praja, or sherep in uh, Tibetan, which is understanding the true nature of all things. And uh, we talked a little bit about that already. I realize I'm getting a little short on time, so I'm gonna not spend too much time on that because as we said, um, it's it's it, we're not at a place where we're going to have this true realization of mind just yet, like until we've achieved enlightenment. So uh, the thing to remember is that uh, we really uh, we need to focus on the accumulation of merit is really where we need to put our effort. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But uh, part of the reason we need to do that is because um, the five Buddhas, uh, like I said earlier, uh like they're, they're present with us now. Like this is not something that we need to gain or, or find somewhere and, and somehow integrate into ourselves. Like we all, uh, they're present in us. And the analogy is like the clouds and the sun. So, um, you know, you may have a couple cloudy days uh, and then the sun comes out again, but that sun's been there the whole time. You know, it's not a new sun or a different sun. Um, and in this analogy of the clouds and the sun, um, the clouds are the delusion. And so uh, when we clear away, the delusion, um, then the sun shines through and that, and the sun in this analogy is like the five Buddha potentials. So, uh, again, knowing all of this, um, is important. And it, and as Rinpoche describes it here, it's like the ground of this is having this beginning to have this understanding and thinking about it and contemplating it. Um, and then acting, you know, um, that's the ground, but, but it's the acting part. You know, that is, that is the most important. And so in action, we need to be doing things like meditation, accumulation of, uh, of merit and wisdom. Um, and so, again, these these uh, five Buddha potentials are not separate from us. And uh, Rinpoche has a great section here where he uses an analogy of uh, wood. So I'm going to read this kind of a long section, but I want to read this. Um To say that we must make the effort to always engage in meritorious meritorious activity is another way of saying that we must make the effort to actualize the accumulation of wisdom. In the process, we come to understand the true nature of things. For example, when the mind is no longer confused, we see the true nature of the five aggregates as the five Buddhas and experience them as their pure realms. When this confusion disappears, what appears to the confused mind as the five aggregates are seen as the five Buddhas. How is it that the five aggregates can manifest as the realms of the five Buddhas? The aggregates are like a pile of wood. If you have a pile of wood and want to be warm, you do not take away the wood because without wood, there is no fire. Only with the wood present can the flame and its warmth appear. Similarly, the idea of realizing the five Buddhas does not imply the disappearance of the five aggregates. The five aggregates are the instrument for seeing the true nature of things, the key for realizing our Buddha potential. Just as the absence of fire does not mean the absence of the potential of a pile of wood to give us warmth, so our present absence of understanding does not mean the absence of the potential of the five mental afflictions to manifest in us as the five wisdoms. That's a mouthful. I know it. So let's do it again. Um, Just as the absence of fire does not mean the absence of the potential of a pile of wood to give us warmth. So our present absence of understanding does not mean the absence of the potential of the five mental afflictions to manifest in us as the five wisdoms. So, uh, just because we don't have understanding doesn't mean that, uh, the, the five aggregates, uh, don't have the potential to manifest as the five wisdoms. And so, uh, In terms of ground, path, and fruition, uh, we're coming towards the end of the talk. And so uh, I wanted today to focus mostly on uh, the ground and just talking in particular about the five five aggregates. Next time we'll talk, uh, the second half, we'll talk more about uh, the five mental afflictions and the five wisdoms. But I do want to give you, since we talked about the ground a little bit, which is understanding those things, and we talked about the path, which is the accumulations of, of merit and wisdom, um, I do want to give you a glimpse of the the fruition briefly. Um, this uh, We'll go into this stuff more detail next time, but I want to just read you Rinpoche's uh, description of the fruition. And um, if it doesn't make total sense right now, that's okay. We'll get more into it next time. But he says... Uh, These are the five Buddhas. They are the transmuted five aggregates in their pure aspects. Since the five aggregates more or less concern form, the five Buddhas involve the physical representation of the deities. The mental afflictions are the mental phenomena. So their transmuted pure aspects are the five wisdoms. And I want to put a picture up here too. Well, here's in iconography what we see uh, in terms of the five Buddhas. So, uh, to continue, uh, so the five aggregates, uh, are, since they concern form, the five Buddhas are their physical representations. The mental afflictions are the mental phenomena, so their transmuted pure aspects are the five wisdoms. So, in, now going through the skandhas, the aggregates, form and ignorance are transformed, uh, when we gain understanding, they are transformed into Varachana, who is white, and wisdom of that which clears away all confusion to unveil the true nature of ignorance. That's also known as Dharmadhatu wisdom. Consciousness, which is the fifth aggregate, and the mental affliction of rage or anger is transformed into Akshobhya, who is blue, and mirror-like wisdom. The uh, second aggregate, feeling, and the mental affliction of pride is transformed into Ratnasambhava, who is yellow, and the wisdom of sameness or equanimity. The third aggregate, perception, and the mental affliction of desire is transformed into Amitabha, who is red, and the wisdom of discernment. Conceptions, the fourth aggregate, and the mental affliction of jealousy is transformed into Amoga City, who is green, and the all-accomplishing wisdom. Ribuchet says it is through the five skandhas that we are able to begin to rediscover the openness that is our actual state. So, um, it's there like right now, that openness, it's our natural state. It's not separate from us. And, uh, it will manifest as the five Buddha families, or as Rinpoche said in the beginning, the five Buddha potentials, when we have accomplished the accumulations of merit and wisdom, thereby clearing away confusion and giving rise to realization. The ground is the understanding. Again, the path is the meditation, uh, and the accumulations. And the result is the five Buddha potentials. So I have a little bit of time. Um, I probably should have stopped and asked if anybody had any questions along the way, but it looks like we're just getting in by the skin of our teeth uh, before the, uh, the end of the hour. So um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to type them in the chat. And, um, I'll also say, in terms of the accumulations, that uh, I told this story the other night in the in the book discussion group. But I had asked Rinpoche at some point in the retreat if uh, if I should be trying to 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 sort of attempt to rest in the nature of mind, you know, rest in nonconceptuality, which is another way of describing the accumulation of wisdom. Like that's you know, resting in nonconceptuality is is the accumulation of wisdom. So I, I had asked him if if I should be trying to do that kind of just around the house. And, um, he, uh, he said, you know, the main thing you should try to do, you know, on the cushion is one thing, but off the cushion w- accumulation of merit, like that's the, that's the best thing you can do because it's so hard, you know, even on the cushion to rest in non-conceptuality that, you know, gener- in general, throughout our life, we need to be working on these accumulations of merit through body, speech, and mind. Okay. So I have, uh, hello, Lama Adam. Um, why are we attracted to or lean towards ignorance? Um, the why there, I think, is related to what uh, what Trungpa described as like that moment of panic, um, and then uh, I've also heard other teachers explain it as being overwhelmed by the limitless nature. Um, of dharmata, like there's a moment where there's just this this we become overwhelmed and so in that moment it, It's sort of like uh, if you uh, realize that you don't have any ground anymore You know what I mean? Like you're gonna try to grab some kind of ground like as quickly as you can and so uh, in, in trying to do that uh, we mistake this uh, limitless aspect of dharmata as as a self and then the lucid or clear aspect you know, uh, as an other, like, uh, so all this stuff, you know, and, and then we, we feel like, uh, through having this idea of a self that that's sort of why we talk about openness, right? Because like when we talk about a self, we're already differentiating and all of a sudden this limitlessness has become a something, you know, and then everything else is a something else. And so we're kind of building up these walls. And in fact, there's actually a talk that I think Trungpa gave about the aggregates that was called the battle of ego. And I think he used the analogy of like ramparts and castles and stuff, you know, as like, you know, the, as, you know, a metaphor of like building out our ego with the the aggregates. So it, it's related to that moment of, uh, of, uh, of panic, but uh, that is a really profound question. And, um, and I will uh, look into it a little bit more. I'm gonna write it down real quick um, for next time, because uh, that's about as best as I can give you right now. Um, could we get this material sent by email in some way? Um, you, there is a, uh, the commentary is available at Namsi Bangso. Um, uh, the five Skandas I can write out here, I'm, uh, I'll put up on the screen again. Um, And other than that, um, I don't know what else I really want to put out at this point, because there this 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 five, like five, there's five of the aggregates, there's five of the Buddhas, there's five of the wisdoms. There's also five elements and there's five seasons and there's five colors. And so it it gets a little it gets a little crazy. And I don't want to uh, anybody to overwhelm themselves. I feel like with the information that we've talked about today, um, I think just thinking a little bit about that process of the aggregates. Um, and the fact that that can be transmuted into uh, the five Buddha families um, would be uh, sufficient for now, you know, and uh, I hope that the talk today motivates people to engage in the accumulations of merit um, in particular and to sit down and and, and meditate. Um, those would be the main things I would hope that... Uh, today's talk would do and the next time we'll get more into the details of how all those fives connect um it's not something that like you can't look into or check out but it 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 gets like i said it it spiderwebs out into all this other stuff so um i think that a good starting point is just to think about these these five skandas uh, but that's a good question um, thank you sally and thank you helder and thank you, Karma Kunga, and everybody else. Um, so uh, I got to wrap this up. Um, this was a, this is a, a tough topic, and so I want to confess if I made any errors or confused anything, or um, I mean, there's people who go to monastic college for most of their life to try to get a little understanding of this stuff. And um, I'm just a guy who went into a retreat to practice for three and a half years. It's a very different thing. Rinpoche explained that to us in retreat, how like if you go to Shedra, you go there to learn all kinds of stuff, but you go into retreat to practice. So um, I, I, you know, the study aspect of this, I'm kind of just a, you know, a, a hobbyist. Um, but, um, I hope it was somewhat clear and I'm, I'm grateful to Rinpoche, Kepakar Rinpoche and His Holiness Karmapa and Lama Kathy and Lama Tom and all of our teachers for, um, giving me enough to get to, to share at least what I did today. And I, I pray that it was without errors and, um, I rejoice in, uh, all the good works of all of our teachers and all of your practice And um, I pray that our teachers remain for a long time and continue to turn the wheel of Dharma. And let's uh, dedicate uh, the merit of uh, listening and thinking about the Dharma today and all the merit we've attained since beginningless time and all the merit of all sentient beings uh, to the cause of understanding our confusion. And in understanding our confusion, becoming motivated to practice the path diligently, and through doing so, revealing uh, as already present, the five Buddha potentials. Okay, thank you everybody. This was a lot of fun. Um, I'll put one more time up here for uh, if you want to help support uh, the rebuilding of KTC. Um, there's the link, and um, thank you all very much. I'll I'll be back. Uh, I think in the end of May will be part two of uh, rediscovering openness. Oh, I was thinking of calling this series the Fives. So rediscovering openness, the Fives. Part two will be at the end of uh, at the end of May. Good luck, everybody. I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Take care.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's Dharma Talk. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. To learn more about the Columbus Karma Tegsam Choling or to donate to support our Dharma Talk series, please visit our website at columbusktc.org. The opening and closing music for the podcast is Tibetan Flute Song by Tamding Arts at tamdingarts.com. Please join us again next week for another Dharma Talk.